So, when I was thinking about what to talk about this evening, um, actually, it didn't take me very long to come up with the topic. Uh, This whole last month, for various reasons, I seem to be giving a lot of talks on thought and mindfulness of thinking. Um, It just keeps coming up in conversation or ends up being uh, the theme I I teach um, in uh, the secular world as well as the non-secular world. um, But thought has been the main theme this month, so I thought I might as well keep going with that theme. This, This idea of being mindful of our thinking often is very much misunderstood, especially if you're new to practice. But even if you've been doing it for a while, um, I find that even for for myself, it took a while for me to really understand that thoughts aren't bad (laughs) or even a problem when meditating. There can often be this idea that in order to be mindful, we have to clear our mind of all thoughts. And this is actually not true. So I wanted to explore that with you a little bit Um, talk about some practical ways to be mindful of your thoughts, and also talk a bit about uh, the Buddha's instruction uh, to be with, in a wise way, thoughts that are just not helpful anymore, and what to do with those thoughts. So that's a bit of an overview of the talk this evening. So thinking is useful. Thinking is really not the enemy. Um, In order to come up with this talk, I had to sit down and really think about what I wanted to say, how I wanted to present it. Uh, This is useful. We need to be able to plan. We need to be able to remember. Uh, In order to learn from our mistakes, we have to reflect. So thoughts aren't bad, and they're not necessarily the problem, but when we sit down and we get really quiet and our thoughts just start coming up out of what seems like nowhere and dominate (laughs) the content or the experience in our sitting, we can often build up a uh, agitation, Uh, resistance towards this thinking mind. I know for myself that when I'm sitting in meditation, and maybe you've noticed this, I'll notice that if my mind is thinking a lot, that there's a tightness. I'll notice it in my face. In fact, even on this, this, during this last meditation, I would start thinking about, what do I want to (laughs) say? And there would be this real tightness right about here in my forehead. I thought, oh, I'll talk about that. And so there can be this um, contraction often when our thoughts get away from us. Uh, We're lost in thought. There's a physical sensation that actually when we start to bring attention to it, it's not pleasant. There's there's often um, a, a feeling that is not pleasant. And so because it's not pleasant... We want to get rid of it. We don't want it to be there. It's getting in the way of the pleasant, of the peaceful, of the thing that we really, really want. Tranquility. 
so there can be this attitude in our mindfulness practice of, I don't want that to be there. I want to get rid of it. It's distracting me. So what we actually can do through our mindfulness practice, instead of trying to push it away and get rid of it in this very reactive way, which actually just causes more contraction, which then agitates the mind even further, if you've noticed that, when you really don't want it to be there and you just start to uh, push away those thoughts as much as you can, it just creates more thinking. So it's a vicious cycle. So what do we do with it? Well, we can pay attention to it. We can be mindful that this is what's happening in the mind right now. We don't actually have to push it away. We can turn our attention towards it. This is not easy to do, especially if you're just starting out in this practice. Um, It can be helpful, in fact, when you begin learning mindfulness meditation to... um, Keep bringing your attention back to something that will anchor your attention in one place, like the breath. So oftentimes the instruction is, come back to the breath, come back to the breath. Or come back to the body, the body sitting here, feeling the body here. So that's the instruction we hear over and over and over again. So then there can can be this relationship with our practice where we believe that mindfulness is paying attention to the breath. Period. And this is not true. The breath is really helpful, uh, but it's not magic. It's not the only thing that's happening. Um, We can pay attention to our thoughts just as we would pay attention to our breath. So I want to take you through uh, a few... uh, just a few practical ways to practice with the breath. First is to simply observe. So in mindfulness, that's really what we're doing, isn't it? We're just observing what's going on in the present moment, knowing what's happening. So just as you would in a movie theater, I like to think of, of thoughts as... Uh, just a movie going through the mind. So if you've sat in a movie theater, especially if the movie is uh, action-packed or dramatic, I know uh, I recently saw, it's called Gravity, the one with Sandra Bullock, where she's hurling through space. How many of you have seen that movie? (laughs) So it's a pretty intense movie where um, the cinematography really takes you Uh, to this place where you physically feel like you are there tumbling through space with Sandra Bullock's character. And you can get lost in it really easily. That's, That's Hollywood movie magic. That's one of the reasons we like going to the movies is for a moment we forget our own lives and we get wrapped up in somebody else's. Um, And so our mind can be this way too. Without training our mind, we really easily become uh, wrapped up in the story of what's playing through, through our mind. So oftentimes, we'll have a thought that's happening, and even though maybe it's never even happened before, 
Maybe it's a future thought of something that might happen later, a conversation, an argument, an event that just might possibly happen later. And we can actually feel agitation come up, anger come up. We can experience anxiety, even though in the moment you might just be sitting here in this beautiful meditation hall, everyone just sitting calmly and peacefully around you. Nothing really really happening other than that. But because we are wrapped up in our thoughts and we're believing those thoughts, our body actually has that physical sensation of uh, trouble, stress, uh, danger, anger, frustration, whatever it is. We can actually experience it. So we can get wrapped up in our thoughts really easily. And this is really normal. This is just part of the human experience There's nothing uh, unique or special about you if you experience this often. This is just what it is to be human and have this human mind. But with mindfulness, we can become more of the observer of this, this play or this movie that's happening inside our mind. And so just like at the movie theater, if you suddenly realize that all you're doing is sitting in a movie theater looking at a screen that has lights and pictures that are moving very, very fast to create some kind of motion on, on the wall, realizing that it's all been highly edited, that the actors that are, taking, that are part of the scene aren't actually there. Um, and aren't actually those characters, uh, we start to dissolve that movie magic. It becomes really obvious. Oh, I'm just watching a movie in this theater with all these other people. This isn't actually happening. And so we can do this uh, with, our, with our thoughts. We can simply observe. I say simply as if it was really easy. I don't really mean to imply that. <laughs> It can, be, it can be tricky, especially when we're first learning how to do this. But as far as technique, simply observing our thoughts. This is what's happening. I'm thinking right now. This is only a thought. It's only a thought. It's not personal. <laughs> These thoughts, they come, they go. We have very little control over them. Uh, we often are uh, not making them up, although we can learn how to create the types of thoughts that we would prefer to have. But we can only do that for so long, and then the other weird random thoughts come through and do their little dance, and we get caught, and then we come out again. And this is the, the dance that is going on in our mind. And we're either present to it and conscious of it, that this is what's happening, or we're not. And it's one or the other. So in mindfulness, we can begin to bring more attention and begin to take this observer role, really knowing this is what's happening right now. There's um, this beautiful quote that I love. From, this is a quote from the Buddha. He says, Develop a mind that is vast like water. 
where experiences both pleasant and unpleasant can appear and disappear without conflict, struggle, or harm. Rest in a mind like vast water. So he's saying, first we have to develop this mind like vast water, this, this uh, open, open to whatever is there in this great ocean mind of ours, uh, not needing to judge it, not needing to reject it, but being present with it in a way that isn't um, uh, taken over by these huge waves of thought which become often overwhelming when we are stuck in them, believing them. If we can develop this mind that isn't pushed around by these giant waves of thoughts, uh, then we can rest in that mind. We can find rest there. It's not disturbed by the content. Imagine that. If those thoughts could still be there, we're still thinking, but to not be disturbed by those thoughts. So we can, we can train our mind and train through mindfulness to be able to um, do this. Another technique that's really helpful so that you can stay in that observer role is to use the noting phrases. How many of you are familiar with the noting phrases? been introduced to those. Okay, so a little more than half. So noting is a technique in this tradition that you can apply to anything that you're paying attention to. So if it's the breath, the instruction is often to, in your mind, intentionally think about what it is that you're paying attention to. Uh, and think in, as a, in the thought that goes through is a label of what it is you're paying attention to. So for the breath, as you're breathing in, in your mind, you're thinking, breathing in. And as you breathe out, in your mind, you're thinking, breathing out. And this continues to help focus the mind and to be really clear for yourself what it is that you're paying attention to. This helps increase uh, not only your awareness, but also your concentration. So we can do this with our mind. So it's mind on mind. As the thought comes in, using your noting phrases, thinking, 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 still thinking. (laughs) And so we can follow uh, the mind in this way. We can follow our thoughts. We can use the noting phrases more specifically. So maybe you have a train of thought that uh, is repetitive, Uh, Maybe it's a thought that you know really well, and so you can give it a name. Agitated thought. Worry thoughts. Uh, uh, You know, mother-in-law thoughts. (laughs) Whatever it is. And so we can begin to, again, just be present with, this is what's happening right now, without having to reject it or do anything with it, Simply open towards it, knowing that this is what's happening. This is what's happening right now. Another technique that can be really helpful is to anchor in the body. So it's really easy to um, get swept away by these thoughts. Even when we're, 
we're noting them and we're trying to just observe them, uh, sometimes they're just a little sticky or they're just a little juicy. And we, we lean into them just a little too far and bam, like that, we're gone, we're in them. We're swept away by these thoughts. So coming back to something like the body or the breath, really anchoring in ourselves, being fully present that what's actually happening here is that I'm sitting here. And you can feel this right now as you're sitting here, bringing attention into your body, feeling yourself on the chair or on the cushion, feeling the weight of the body there, that place of contact. And as you do that right now, you might notice just a a slight feeling of being grounded, being present, being here. And so as we practice with our thoughts, we can bring attention into the body to help anchor us here, anchor our attention, so that as we observe, we're very clear that in this moment, what's really happening is I'm sitting here observing my thoughts. So this is just another very simple uh, technique that you can use while paying attention to these types of thoughts. And then another one is to remind yourself of the moment. So sometimes when we have a series of thoughts that are running through our mind that seem to be overwhelming, uh, loud, in, in desperate need for our, our attention and our expertise to figure it all out, <laughs> those figure-it-out kinds of thoughts. Maybe it's because there's an argument that's happen, happened. Uh, maybe there's a situation that you know you're going to have to face later. And so the mind can just start reeling. And we can get pretty worked up simply by thinking. Nothing else happening. One of my teachers, Catherine Ingram, used to say all the time, she would have this wonderful way of reminding everybody that actually if you remind yourself of the moment of what's actually happening in this very moment, you'll find that most of the time everything is just fine. Most of the time everything in the moment is just fine. The drama is mostly in our head. The stress, the worry, the anger, those feelings are true. Those are real emotions. But the cause of them are often due to a trigger or a memory, some kind of rumination in the mind. If we can pull out of that for a moment, look around our, our theater and realize this is just a movie. Everything right now is just fine. In this moment, everything is just fine. It begins to uh, allow us to be a little more spacious with what's going on, with all this content in the mind. It allows us to hold it a little bit better. Sometimes I think of these thoughts as just bubbles. You know, if you 
you were to blow uh, bubbles with a bubble wand, uh, just these bubble thoughts. I don't know where they come from. Uh, (laughs) I forget which teacher gave this instruction, but um, someone in this tradition, the, the instruction was, you know, if you've got thoughts that you don't really like, just pretend it's the person in front of you who's thinking those thoughts. You know, it's not really personal. They're just these bubble thoughts. that They come into your consciousness, they leave. Some of them feel really sticky because they're repetitive. But each, each time it repeats, it is a new thought. It's a new moment. It just seems like it's stretching on and on and on. Sometimes they feel sticky because there's an emotion that comes with it. And so the thought comes, it goes, but with it comes some kind of emotion. The thought comes, it goes, the emotion can sometimes stick around. But as we bring more and more attention to our, th- our thoughts and the way that our mind works, the way that uh, our habits work, we can start to realize more and more what's actually going on. Oh, is this just that sticky emotion because of that thought I had earlier? It's just sticking around. It's okay. Everything right now is actually just fine. Analayo, let's see, do I have this? Yeah. Um, Analayo wrote this beautiful book on the four foundations of mindfulness uh, called Satipatthana after the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the sutta about the four foundations of mindfulness. And he's referring to the third foundation in this quote, which is the foundation of uh, mindfulness of the mind. And he says, underlying this mind, or sorry, underlying this foundation is an implicit shift an emphasis from the ordinary way of experiencing mind as an individual entity to considering mental events as mere objects analyzed in terms of their quantitative characteristics. So that's kind of interesting. So we're going from seeing this mind as something really personal something that we can fully identify with. The content says something about us, obviously, (laughs) to seeing them as mere events, no different from an in-breath, no different from an out-breath, something to bring attention to. So this is just a different way to hold this content in our mind, in a way of thinking about it that we usually don't, we usually don't think of our mind in this way. It feels very personal, because it's going on inside us, right? It feels very personal. So we can start to learn how impersonal it is by bringing more and more attention, realizing just how elusive and mysterious these thoughts really are. Now, in saying that, I don't mean to imply that 
these thoughts are happening um, or the content or the flavor of the thoughts are completely random. That actually isn't true. As we pay attention to our thoughts, we do begin to witness um, one of the ways that cause and effect, and karma, if you will, cause and effect has uh, a manifestation in the mind. So our thoughts and our habitual way of thinking and interpreting our mind is very much connected to our past actions, our past thoughts, past ruminations, our past beliefs. And so as thoughts come in, we can begin to discern using wisdom which thoughts are wholesome and which thoughts are unwholesome. Another way of putting this is useful, not useful. True, untrue. So mindfulness, we're simply observing. This is what's happening, right? Mindfulness is really useful in that way. Uh, Jane Barris, who was here a few weeks ago, was talking about mindfulness and used this great example of the difference of mindfulness and wisdom, saying that you know, mindfulness is really helpful, but if a bus is coming towards you, you and you're standing in the middle of the street, you could be mindful of that bus coming towards you. You can hear it coming, uh, being mindful of sound. You can be mindful of sight, seeing the bus come towards you, mindful of your emotions of fear and anxiety as it gets closer and closer, uh, the feeling of the body um, maybe trembling a little bit as it gets really close. But mindfulness is uh, not worth much if you don't use your wisdom to get out of the way. <laughs> so mindfulness allows us to really take in information, understand more of how this world works Um, how our perceptions work. It allows us to begin to see cause and effect. And then from there, wisdom begins to grow. We begin to um, see things through the eye of wisdom. And so the same is true for our thoughts. As we begin to understand more and more through mindfulness what these thoughts really are, It's our wisdom that allows us to discern which ones we're going to give attention to and cultivate and ones that we really don't need to believe in anymore, ones that we don't need to feed anymore. And so the Buddha gave a beautiful teaching on this, on the discernment and reflection of unwise thoughts. So I thought I would share this with you. This is from the Vitaka uh, Santana Sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya, which is the middle-length discourses. So these are five um, reflections on unwholesome thoughts. What to do? So what's an unwholesome thought? Um, These are basically thoughts... the classical way of saying this is the thoughts that are born out of greed, uh, hatred, 
and delusion, or some combination of the three. So these are thoughts that are um, not in service to our deepest happiness, thoughts that are not in service to our true understanding and development of wisdom. Uh, These are thoughts that keep us on a path of um, sadness, confusion, agitation. So these are the types of thoughts that, with wisdom, we can begin to see are just not helpful anymore, not true. So when these thoughts do arise, he, gives, he says the first thing you can do is reflect on uh, something different Uh, something different that is related to something that would be wholesome. So actually, uh, switching your attention towards something that would be more wholesome. He relates this to the example of a carpenter uh, switching out an old, uh, corroded peg with a new, finely, um, uh, I guess whittled peg. So swapping out one thought for the other. So as we begin to discern in thought and see that something is not so helpful, maybe it's a story that's repetitive and is one that you're really familiar with. We all have these inner stories about ourselves and other people. So about yourself, it could be something like not good enough. It could be um, I can't do this. It could be, I'm not smart enough. I'll never achieve that. So these types of thoughts that are just not helpful anymore and really uh, maybe not coming out of truth and reality. And so swapping it for something that is more wholesome. I'm, I'm just enough. Or, I, I'm really smart in this. I'm, I, I'm intelligent in this. Or, I can do this mindfulness stuff. It's just, I don't have to believe that thought anymore. So swapping the thought. We can do this with our discernment. We can do this with our wisdom. He says, if that doesn't work, the second reflection is to think about the disadvantages of this particular unwholesome thought. So bringing to mind uh, why the thought is not helpful. Why is it not um, in service to your well-being, to your awakening, uh, to others' happiness? So taking a moment to really reflect on uh, why it's not helpful. He says, uh, this is part of that teaching. I'll quote him saying that when you think of it in this way, truly these thoughts of mine are not skillful, blameworthy, and productive of misery and are productive of misery. So thinking of these thoughts in this way, beginning to see what they truly are. A lot of these thoughts I think of as being kind of in the shadows, 
you know, we have them all the time, we don't really pay much attention to them, we believe them, so why, you know, why question them? And then as we bring mindfulness to them, it's like shining this big bright flashlight on them, bringing them into the light, starting to see them for what they truly are. This can be concerning to some of us. Sometimes these beliefs and these stories and these thoughts seem to hold the very foundation of our life. And if we start to question them, then what is, who does that make me? Who am I if I'm not blah, blah, blah? If I'm not this story that I keep coming back to about myself? If I stop believing these certain thoughts, what does that mean about me? What does that mean about my... Uh, role in this community or in society. So sometimes it can be tricky to start to question these thoughts in the way that he's suggesting. So we have to do it gently and also with wisdom. Bringing more and more mindfulness, we can't help but start to question some of these things that we truly have believed for so long about ourselves and about others. All of these judgments. Byron Katie Uh, who's a spiritual teacher. She's written a number of books, one of which is called The Work, and is quite popular. And her system is based on this, this questioning, is this really true? Coming back to our beliefs over and over again, is this really true? Not asking ourselves up here if it's really true, but asking something deeper, our inner wisdom, the cellular knowing, is this really true? If it's really true, why am I struggling with it so much? Why do I feel like I'm just causing more and more friction in my life the more and more I believe in this thing that I call truth? Why does it bring me so much unhappiness? So we can start to reveal, bring these shadowy thoughts into light, begin to understand how unwholesome they really are, and from there begin to let go of that grasping on to that truth. So if that doesn't work, and those thoughts continue to repeat, the third one is actually not to give it attention, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny, He basically says, turn towards something else. He says, like a keen-eyed man shutting his eyes and looking away in some direction uh, to avoid seeing the visible objects within his sight. So as if you were to just close your eyes to it. I'm not going to give you attention anymore. This is not worth my time. This is not worth my energy. This isn't true. This isn't done. This is quite different than, oh, I don't want this anymore, which doesn't come from wisdom. It comes from reaction, agitation. With wisdom, with as much compassion in your heart, saying, I'm not going to give you any more attention. You're not true. I'm putting my attention elsewhere, back to the breath, back to the body sitting here, So he actually gives this as an instruction that with wisdom, 
this is a very appropriate way to uh, work with unwholesome thoughts. If that doesn't work, the fourth reflection is to reflect on the removal of the source of the unskillful or the unwholesome thoughts. So going to the source, what is it that's causing this train of thought? So it might be that you have a lot of agitation in your thinking. And you're paying attention to those thoughts. Maybe you're noting it, agitated thoughts, agitated thoughts, thought, thinking, 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 lots of thoughts. And it just keeps going, going, going. And so maybe with your wisdom, you might notice that there's some cause, there's some wellspring here that these types of thoughts are, are flowing from. And what might that be? So it might be, oh, I'm just really caffeinated right now. <laughs> you ever experienced that? I experienced that earlier this week. <laughs> Way too much caffeine. Amazing what that did in the mind. Just the amount of thoughts in the to-do list that just were never-ending and not even necessary, but it was just my mind on caffeine. Go, 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 go. Oh, caffeine. Not so helpful. (laughs) I can remove that. (laughs) Not helpful for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that was something that I was able to remove. Okay, I won't, you know, drink any more coffee today. Uh, sometimes it's not so simple as removing some external source. Sometimes it's internal. Sometimes it's noticing that what's fueling the these uh, thoughts bubbles is something more like uh, sadness. I'm just really sad. I'm kind of depressed. I've got these really melancholy, mopey thoughts. Um, and they're, they're not patient thoughts either. Very judgmental, no patience for anybody, including myself. What is, what's under that? Oh, it's, it's sadness, it's depression. Or maybe it's anxiety. Oh, it's just anxiety. It's that anxiety again. These are, that's the, the cause of these thoughts. And so beginning to bring attention away from the thoughts and to the source, this is what anxiety feels like. This is what it feels like in the body. This is what it feels like in the mind. Actually shifting our attention to the source of the problem. I know I was on retreat a number of years ago, and I've shared this, I think, here before, um, and I was experiencing just a tremendous amount of agitation. It was unbelievable. Everything was agitating. Um, It was on the East Coast, and it was snowing, and so the snow, just the sight of the snow, I was aversive to it. Um, Whatever was served, it didn't matter what it was at all the meals, I was aversive to it. I was aversive to the teachings, to the teachers, um, to sitting, to walking, which is all you do on these long retreats. It's sit and walk. There's not a whole lot of option. But I was so adverse to everything. And it was pointed out to me in the interview by one of the teachers as I was saying, I'm just, you know, everything. I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on and I just don't think I can do this anymore. And 
This is, I just feel like this is so stupid and pointless, and I just feel like I've lost the point. And she says, Kate, I think this is doubt. And I said, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she was great. She just kind of let me stew in that for a while. And I left the interview, and I was doing my walking meditation and just kind of making myself go through the paces. and, um, And then... It occurred to me, it, it just came out of nowhere, and it was really this, this rising of wisdom. Maybe this is doubt. I was focused so much on it being aversion and agitation that I missed the source completely until it had been pointed out to me and started walking with it. Maybe this is doubt. And in that moment, the doubt thoughts just came flowing out. Yes, I'm doubting the practice. I'm doubting my teachers. I'm doubting myself, most of all. I'm doubting my capacity to do this practice. I'm doubting this. I'm doubting that. And the source of the agitation was actually my own insecurity, an incredible uh, feeling of doubt. And that was the source. And the moment I turned towards it and allowed it to be there, it... It didn't vanish, but it moved through. It moved through, and the agitation was gone. And the rest of my retreat, I had very, very little agitation. So this turning towards the source can be very useful, very healing, in fact. So the last one, he says, if all else fails, you've tried everything, you've tried to replace it with a different kind of thought, reflected on uh, why it's unwholesome, reflected on something else entirely, shifting your attention away from it, um, reflected on what the source might be. None of this is working. He says this, you should, with clenched teeth and tongue pressed on the top of your mouth, on your palate, restrain, subdue, and beat down the mind with mind. (laughs) He's being kind of funny here. The Buddha had a sense of humor. So you're beating mind with mind. Basically, this is a very wise, compassionate stop. That's enough. That is enough. This comes in handy. It can only be done skillfully through wisdom and compassion. Otherwise, it's just rejection. But just as you might say to uh, a young child who is running around in the street, stop, that's enough. This behavior has to change. We can say this to ourselves. Stop. That's enough. I know that for myself, I've had to use this a couple of times. It's not one that I do often. But every now and then, there'll be this thought that just repeats and repeats and repeats. And I've already gone through. Yes, I don't believe it. I know it's not helpful. I try to think of something else. I try to look at the source, and I've 
processed and processed, whatever this thought is, to the point where I just realize it's just repetitive. I'm, it's just like a broken record. And I don't believe it anymore. It just needs to be told to stop. Stop, that's enough. And so we can do this. We can use this technique with these unwholesome thoughts. So these are the suggestions of the Buddha. Um, And these are just some reflections and helpful ways to be with our thinking, to hold it in a way that uh, will support us in our practice. I'll finish by reading this quote from the Dhammapada, and we can take a few questions. This is one of my favorite, favorite quotes. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world. It's talking about our perception. Speak or act with an impure mind and trouble will follow you. As the wheel follows the ox that draws the cart. It's talking about cause and effect. And being stuck in samsara or this, this wheel of... Uh, continually being stuck in our ways of uh, lack of wisdom. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts we make the world. Speak or act with a pure mind, and happiness will follow you as a shadow, unshakable. How can a troubled mind understand the way? Your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. But once mastered, no one can help you as much, not even your father or mother. So this is a very hopeful, uplifting, empowering um, suggestion, uh, teaching to begin to bring light to these thoughts. Bring your awareness to these thoughts, your wisdom on how to handle them, hold them. So I hope that is helpful. Um, If there's any questions, we can pass the mic, and maybe someone would mind passing the mic if if you'd like to say something. Oh, good. Thank you. Great. Um, I'm taking a... uh MBSR course, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction course, yes. by John Kabat-Zinn, pioneered in the late 70s, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot, mostly about meditation. And there's a workbook that comes with a CD, and there's about 20-some-odd meditations on there, guided meditations. Mm-hmm. And one of them came in really useful. It's a sitting meditation, and it's, it has about three parts. You focus on the body. could be your pulse, could be your blood pressure, anything that's happening within the body. And then after a few minutes, you focus on sound outside. could be a bird, the freeway, a plane. And then you focus on, there's something that he calls choiceless awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's just anything that arises, you focus just on that. And so what I'm learning is that in order to get my mind out of the thought stream, I can selectively attend to different things and just focus on 
the steering wheel of the car, or there's there's another analogy that that was used where instead of we're used to having the bell to kind of wake us up and bring us back to the present moment, but if in everyday life you can use you could have that bell be the sound of a bird or a door closing, any any sound or or a, um, pulse of energy can wake you up. So. For me, it's really helpful to selectively attend to, to what I want to attend rather than be swept off by the thought stream. So it's, it's really good stuff. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Any questions about attention to our thoughts or discernment around unwholesome or wholesome thoughts? I liked um, that you made that distinction between, you know, what you push away and what you ask to leave. Mm -hmm. I find that really tricky. Yes. That's such a thin line. And Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on that? As far as knowing which one you're doing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I find... Uh, even when I think I'm acting out of wisdom, in reflection later, I realize, no, there was, there was just some slight aversion in that intention. Um, so sometimes what I find is the perfectionist in myself can get down on myself and really judgmental around that and trying to do it just, just right. And in that, there can be a real contraction instead of a learning. Um, One of the ways that we can really know for sure or to at least um, reflect on whether or not we're responding out of wisdom or just reaction and knowing the difference uh, is three types of reflection. So a new set of reflections uh, before we, we act. So in this case, before responding to the thoughts, um, really checking in. Where is this coming from? Am I just agitated and I don't want this here anymore? Is it coming from my hatred, aversion? Um, or is it coming from a place of really understanding what this is and understanding what the right course of action is? Is there wisdom present? So before, during, as you're saying, enough, stop. Really paying attention. How does that feel as I'm saying that? Is there contraction in the body? Is there agitation in the mind? And then after, reflecting afterwards, um, what is that? What is it like now? I've just done that. Uh, is there a feeling of um, tranquility, mindfulness? Is there a feeling of understanding what's present, or is it just more agitation, disappointment? <laughs> Disappointment's a good <laughs> mindfulness bell. Oh, maybe I was really hoping for a different result here, something different than, than it actually is. Uh, so those are three ways to, to notice where, where you are on that, that thin line. 
the more and more we practice in this way, that line, I think, it doesn't become, it becomes less than, I think it becomes more, more obvious or um, more clear. Yeah. And also, I think the, the important thing is the compassion element. Yeah. So if you, we can tell if we're not being compassionate. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. So I hope that this is helpful and something that you can use and practice um, this next week or beyond, hopefully. Uh, Bringing attention to your thoughts. So to close, we'll, I'll dedicate the merit, or we'll all dedicate the merit together. And this dedication of merit is, um, is a time to just acknowledge that this practice is not just for ourselves. That might be our initial intention. Um, we're wanting more happiness in our lives, contentment, We're wanting more health in our mind and our body, safety, uh, more ease in our life. But as the practice continues, we realize that this practice cannot be just for ourselves. Um, And so out of that spirit, we dedicate the time that we spend together, any wisdom and merit that is cultivated here, that it may be for all beings everywhere. in in service for all beings in their process of awakening. May all beings be happy and content. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. And may all beings have ease on their journey of realization and awakening. Thank you for your attention.